Hello, and welcome to the podcast that helps you win the race Christ has marked out for you. Every Christian husband and father wants to succeed in being the spiritual leader of his home, so we've been studying how to maximize our impact in leading others to spiritual maturity, whether we're husbands or dads or small group church or another kind of spiritual leader. Today, we cover the most neglected step of leadership, One that takes our leadership impact from just mediocre to excellent. This third step is equipping followers to grow into mature disciples. Thanks for joining us today for season number one, episode number 39 of Mission Focused Men. My name is Gary Yeagle. We've been studying a diagram called Spiritual Leadership is Influence, which you can link to in the program notes. Effective leadership requires that, one, the leader stay focused on the goal of spiritual maturity as Christ's disciple in his own life, depicted by the orange arrow. Two, that he build a strong, caring relationship with his followers, depicted by the green arrow. And three, that he equip and assist his followers to reach the goal of spiritual maturity, the brown arrow in the diagram. Even if a leader is good at these first two, modeling the values of his organization and building relationships with his followers, he will still fail if he just challenges his team to reach the goal without equipping them with what they need to reach that goal. For example, The reason for this podcast is my belief that we, who are church leaders, tend to just tell men that they are to be the spiritual leaders of their homes without equipping them to do so. That is, explaining in practical terms what that means and then providing the inspiration and training required to do it. Similarly, a football coach can say after losing the game, we didn't tackle well. But that is a far cry from studying the game film of that week to determine why, reviewing everything he knows about good tackling, and putting together some new tackling drills to train his team to improve their tackling skills. Church leaders can simply tell husbands to love their wives as Christ loved his bride, the church, or get them resources that show them how to do that. Parents can just make sure their teens know that sex before marriage is wrong, or they can equip them with an overview of the glory of sexuality, why the intimacy of sexual union needs to be protected inside the covenant of marriage, how destructive sex becomes when taken outside of marriage, and how to be wise about sexual temptation while dating. The word equip means to provide what is needed for service or action. The Greek word katarizo was commonly used to describe the process of getting fishing nets fully functioning so that they worked. The leader gets his team members whatever they need to be successful in reaching the goal. The leader is all about helping those under his care reach their full potential. For those who have been with us for a while on the podcast, does this calling to help those around you flourish, reaching their full potential, remind you of another biblical text? Well, in Genesis 2.15, we are told that Adam, 
is put into the garden, the world, to work it, which means to cultivate it, to cause the garden and those in it, Eve, future children, civilization, to reach its full potential. The calling of manhood is to spend ourselves providing what our wives, our children, our workers, our clients, our culture need to flourish. Godly leadership and the call to masculinity overlap 100% at this point. So our job is to develop the potential of those under our care. In the case of spiritual leadership, we are to provide what our followers need to thrive as disciples of Christ. Now, there are too many ways that parents need to equip their kids to cover in just today's podcast. For example, one vital way to equip our kids for success, honestly, is firm discipline, because it trains a child to say no to himself, creating self-control that will benefit him his entire life. By the way, we cover child discipline in podcast number 34 through 36. Another requirement for followers to reach the goal of spiritual maturity is to help them make Christian friends and be in small group Bible study. Scripture is clear that spiritual growth requires discussing the intersection of our lives and biblical teaching with brothers and sisters in Christ. We read in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So helping our kids succeed in their spiritual growth means helping them get connected in the body of Christ, just as we need to be similarly connected. Now, the rest of the podcast examines just three primary ways for men to help those under their spiritual care to thrive. First, teach them the Word of God. Scripture is the ultimate equipping tool for growing to spiritual maturity. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Those we lead, especially our children, need to build their lives upon the truth of God. In Deuteronomy 6, I believe God lays out four steps for parents to follow to teach the Word of God to our covenant children for maximum impact. Let's look into the text to see what these four steps are. This is verses 5 through 8. And this portion of Deuteronomy 6 begins, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Verse 5. Life-changing teaching of Scripture begins in our own hearts with our love for God. We must begin here so that our children never think that we are keeping God's law to earn His love, or because we fear condemnation. The Ten Commandments were given to Israel after they had been freed from slavery to Egypt, which was symbolic for slavery to sin. The moral law of God was never given for Israel or us to earn God's love or to work our way to freedom 
from sin. Rather, it was given as a guide to show us how to respond to his love with our love. Out of love for our God, out of delight and confidence in his goodness, we trust that his law is for our benefit. Although we must battle our sinful nature, our desire to be obedient grows out of our love for God, which grows out of his love for us. Counselors Henry Cloud and John Townsend point out, when we finally understand that God isn't mad at us anymore, we become free to concentrate on love and growth instead of trying to appease him. So, teaching biblical truth for maximum impact begins with our own love for God. Number two, we read in Deuteronomy 6, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. There is a natural flow from loving God with all of our heart and all of our being to having his word on our hearts so that we can obey it. In this text, God is saying what Jesus would later repeat in John fourteen six, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Psalm one nineteen eleven says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Devotion to obeying scripture is not legalism. It is the proper expression of love for God the God who first loved us. Jesus taught that the mark of his kingdom people is hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Notice that this second step of the four-step process of teaching scripture is consistent with the principle that we lead from our own lives. My devotion to the word so that I have it on my own heart is a necessary prerequisite for my followers to take it seriously and shape their lives by it as well. The third step is this, you shall teach these words diligently to your children. Verse 7. The Hebrew word for teach is from the word used for sealing a letter with an official seal. It means imprint. It pictures rote memorization. Wise parents today see this biblical principle in this foundational text in Deuteronomy 6 for covenant families. Do not neglect the importance of anchoring your child to God's truth through memorizing catechism questions and or scripture verses. Today, there is a welcome return to valuing the place of catechisms with the Gospel Coalition publication of the New City Catechism and the New City Catechism for Kids. Beyond catechisms, helping your child memorize key passages of scripture is indisputably one of the best investments in your child's soul that you could ever make. Joshua 1.8 comes to mind. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So the third step of teaching scripture for life impact is the hard work of impressing it upon the brain. That is learning it, memorizing it. Fourth, we read, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. 
The reason for having the law on our hearts is so that we can meditate on it during the day and so we can teach it to our children all through the day, applying it to everyday life. Every dad wants his family members to be successful, especially success from an eternal perspective. To equip our children for success in life, there is no better tool than the Word of God. Remember the opening words of the entire book of Psalms? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The second way we need to help those under our care to thrive spiritually in today's world is to affirm their masculinity or femininity. One of the defining characteristics of our age is the attack of our culture upon God's design of humans as male and female resulting in much confusion in the hearts of our children about gender roles and their own gender identity. Even feminists recognize this attack upon masculinity. Christina Hoff Summers, in her book The War Against Boys, writes, This book tells the story of how it has become fashionable to attribute pathology to millions of healthy male children. It is the story of how we are turning against boys and forgetting a simple truth that the energy, competitiveness, and corporal daring of normal, decent males is responsible for much of what is right in this world. No one denies that boys' aggressive tendencies must be checked and channeled in constructive ways. Boys need discipline, respect, and moral guidance. Boys need love and tolerant understanding. They do not need to be pathologized. To help today's parents learn what the culture is saying about sexuality and gender and then be equipped to guide their children with a loving, winsome, biblical response, I wrote a book entitled Anchoring Your Child to God's Truth in a Gender-Confused Culture, Helping Your Children Embrace Their Calling to Godly Manhood or Womanhood. It is available at Amazon in printed or Kindle formats. Adam and Eve were intentionally created differently so they could complete each other and together in their love for one another image the triune God. There is therefore no such thing as an androgynous disciple of Christ. The third way spiritual leaders must equip those under their care is this. Help them discover their unique design and gifts. Doing this helps them overcome two problems that dominate the life of teenagers, the feeling of worthlessness and craving acceptance from others, resulting in slavery to peer pressure. Parents need to give them a strong self-identity to combat these tendencies in two ways. First, by helping them see that they were perfectly designed by God. Rick Warren, in his book, Purpose Driven Life, gives us the message they need to hear. He says, you were planned for God's pleasure. The moment you were born into the world, God was there as an unseen witness, smiling at your birth. He wanted you alive and your arrival gave him great pleasure. 
God did not need to create you, but he chose to create you for his own enjoyment. You exist for his benefit, his glory, his purpose, and his delight. Bringing enjoyment to God, living for his pleasure, is the first purpose of your life. When you fully understand this truth, you will never again have a problem with feeling insignificant. It proves your worth. If you are that important to God, and he considers you valuable enough to keep with him for eternity, what greater significance could you have? The second way we need to help our children escape their slavery to peer pressure is this. By helping them discover their unique gifts and talents so they can link them to God's purpose for them. Paul explains that we were designed for specific good works. In Ephesians 2.10, writing, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. A major part of our parenting role includes helping our children discover their unique design, celebrate it with them, and help them see how God could use them in unique ways for his kingdom. Here's a partial list of some gift and personality inventories that I've seen help believers see their uniqueness. The first category would be any kind of spiritual gift inventory that is biblical. And then you've got personality indicator tests like the Myers-Briggs type indicator. You might have something like the five love languages by Gary Chapman. But anything that can help you help your child discover how uniquely he or she has been created is helpful. I want to say again that dads can be committed to Christ and care pretty well for their kids, completing steps one and two of the leadership diagram, but miss the strategic opportunity they have to empower their children for kingdom impact by focusing upon developing their children's unique potential. John Maxwell writes, 19th century British statesman William Gladstone asserted, he is a wise man who wastes no energy on pursuits for which he is not fitted. And he is wiser still who from among the things he can do well chooses and resolutely follows the best. Most people don't have a natural knack for spotting their greatest areas of potential. They need help doing it, especially as they begin growing and striving to reach their potential. And that's why it is important for you to become a mentor in the lives of the people you desire to help. There is no more noble calling than the calling to invest yourself, your time, your energy, and resources to help another reach his or her full potential. That is the call to godly leadership. That is the call to manhood, avad what Adam was placed in the garden to do. That is the call to be a hero maker. That is the call to deny self, but set your focus on making someone else great. Answering this call is costly, but it is the mark of all great leaders. Here are some practical ways to help those under our care reach their fullest potential. Number one, clearly see their potential yourself. Find their passion. Identify their gifts. Visualize what they're capable of. Two, cast a vision for their future. Help them see their potential and possibilities. Helen Keller said, one can never consent to creep when one feels an impulse to soar. 
Number three, tap into their passion. If financially supporting their family were not an issue, what would they most like to do using their gifts to change the world? Number four, set their focus on godly character. Martin Luther King Jr. said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Number five, focus on their strengths. Sharpen skills that already exist. Bring out the gifts inherent in them. Weaknesses can wait unless they are character flaws. And finally, number six, put resources into their hands. As you pray for them to prosper, find resources that can help them sharpen their character or skill set. So the third step of leadership is becoming a hero maker. It is equipping. It is affirming, mentoring, and cheering those under our care into greatness. It is helping them reach their full potential for kingdom impact and for giving pleasure to the one who perfectly designed them for such impact before the foundation of the world. To summarize this episode, the most neglected step of spiritual leadership may be equipping followers to reach spiritual maturity. We examine three primary ways that spiritual leaders can equip others to grow into mature disciples of Christ. First, they can maximize the impact of God's Word in their teaching by following the four-step covenantal teaching process laid out in Deuteronomy 6. First, beginning with their own love for God as the motivation for, second, getting the commands of God into their hearts as adults so they can please God, Third, regularly sowing the seed of God's Word into their children's hearts through memorizing Scripture and or catechism questions. Fourth, teaching them all through the day how Scripture applies to everyday life. The second way we need to equip our followers in today's world is to be intentional about helping them develop a godly gender identity as a young man or young woman. And third, and the hardest part of equipping followers, is devoting ourselves to relentlessly giving our time and energy to help those under our care fully develop their God-designed potential. For further prayerful thought, number one, what do you think is the hardest thing about being designed, Genesis 2.15, to help those around you reach their fullest potential? Number two, of the six ways to help others flourish, which are hardest for you? Next week, as we move further into August, anticipating the fall routine, we return to our call to Christ to enjoy a love relationship with Him. God's design is for our love relationship with Him to give us the emotional strength we need to succeed for Him in the rest of our lives. So we will examine four common obstacles to experiencing this constant source of motivational strength that God wants to empower us with. For further information about our ministry, go to forgingbonds.org. And if this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission from Christ by inspiring them each week while they commute or work out.